Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reagan, and it is the Monday, June, July 11th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. How you doing, John? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. NBA and NFL news to talk about today. So let's start with the NBA. Sounds good. And a couple of different trades have been rumored. We know with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and also apparently Donovan Mitchell. Uh, let's talk about the Kyrie Irving trade. It's kind of not seeing a lot of action because of Kevin Durant's desire for a trade. What do you think about that? Yeah, it sounds like the uh, the Nets have no desire to uh, listen to Kyrie Irving and his desire to leave the Nets and are focusing exclusively on Kevin Durant. Uh, probably because Kevin Durant has a much bigger market than Kyrie Irving does. And we talked about it last episode where we said Kyrie literally can only go to the Lakers because no other team wants to give up what they'd have to give up for him to just book it to the Lakers as soon as the possibility arises. So basically, they're just waiting on the Lakers. And honestly, they have a ton of leverage in the deal because uh, uh, Aiton looks like he'll be traded as soon as possibly today. We're recording this around 4, so... At any moment, it could happen, uh, but very soon. We've been hearing that a lot, but very soon. So that pretty much crosses off one of the Lakers' top option, and then maybe another one's sitting there. But if you're the Nets, you're just sitting. You're just gonna sit on Kyrie Irving and his player option. You'd be like, okay, we'll just keep him. We'll play with him. We'll have him on our roster. We'll have him play. We'll get a deal for uh, KD because that market is a lot hotter. Uh, they just need to brain down the amount that they're asking for but they want to get that deal done katie wants to get that deal done so then they just say with Kyrie Irving, okay we'll get katie gone we'll get the deal we'll get the draft choices we'll get the players we'll figure all that out we'll take our time with both of these they're not at all in a rush in either case there's a lot more conversations i hear going on about kd's trade as opposed to the Kyrie Irving trade and really what you're now in a situation is i think Kyrie might have accidentally prohibited himself from getting to Lakers quickly because by signing that player option, he now is under contract with the Nets for at least another year. So now you kind of have to wonder like, should he have signed that in the first place? Because it was like, there's a lot of momentum. Oh, he's going to the Lakers. And then that drops off. He signs his player option. Now it's spiking again, but it sounds like the Lakers are not really sure about it at this point. It sounds like LeBron James is completely sold on and he's been pushing in the back end and trying to see if they can get the Lakers to do anything. And then Kyrie's trying to push on his end. And he's not really working. So now the organizations are just kind of in a little bit of a stalemate. But if you're the Nets, you kind of understand the, the implications of everything. I mean, I heard an analyst say something like, they understand that like if you're the Nets, you just hang on to Kyrie and w- wait till you know playoffs roll around or late season and the Lakers know that they have no opportunity to bounce back and they need some help and then they'll go after it and be way more aggressive about it but you have the upper hand in the advantage at this point LeBron James wants him the Lakers might want him depending on everything that's going on there it's a contract year for Lakers they might end up giving you a lot of stuff if you're patient enough so I 100% understand where the uh, Nets are coming from in this you know in this case and scenario but it's just been a kind of a weird roller coaster ride that we've been on uh you know, when free agency started till now, it's not, there's not really been any movement towards any sort of point. 
But over the time, it went from you know five teams being interested in Kyrie to one team. Now we understand why that one team's interested and why these other teams are not interested. And now we understand why there's a stalemate. Um, but the Nets aren't in a terrible position at all. The Lakers, I think, are in a worse position because they're trying to figure out how in the world they're going to redeem this franchise that right now is in a terrible position and kind of just trying to figure out the best way to start winning. LeBron James in a contract year, so the Nets just have a big upper hand. And then if they get rid of KD and they get all those draft choices for them or whatever they're able to get, which I imagine they get a good, a good amount of stuff if they're able to bring their price down significantly, but not too big. Like, no one's going to give you three all-star players plus a rising star plus, you know, draft choices. That's never going to happen. But maybe if you ask for one star player, a couple of draft choices, and maybe some extra pieces, you could probably get that done. You get that done, you keep Kyrie, you're in a perfect position to, you know, play and maybe even go to the playoffs. And then if the Lakers come crawling to you and ask for you, give enough offer, you just send them off and then you can wrap it up. And, you know, you don't have to deal with the drama of these trades that are just begging you for trades and trades and trades to get both these guys gone to get the assets that you need. And then hope the Lakers can use them in a way that will succeed. So right now we're just kind of in a situation where it feels like it's just a little bit of a dry spell. Um, it feels like a bunch of free agent stuff, free agency stuff happened the, the Boston Celtics yesterday just signed Gallinari, who got cleared by waivers from the Spurs. So he was signed by the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics made a few key moves. But right now, it's just been kind of, you know, just kind of drifting along a little bit. And the, the only three trades that are even circulating right now is Aiden. Or actually, the only teams that are actually circulating right now are the Suns, the Heat, uh, and the Lakers and the Nets. That's it. So right now, it's kind of just a, a dry spell. But a lot of teams are trying to force an issue on something. I'm just looking forward yep. to when the when the water breaks and uh, things happen, and you know we finally be, are able to see uh, kind of something happen and something move forward. But right now the waters are still the dam is still fully intact. All right, let's talk about the Heat's interest in Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Apparently they, I mean, I haven't seen any details on this. I don't know who they were asking to yeah, give. I don't know who the players were who were involved. But, but if it's it insignificant or insignificant or not enough, I'm sorry. If it was not enough, then I'm kind of figuring Jimmy Butler wasn't part of him. Kind of think Bam Adebayo and probably Tyler here were not even mentioned. And then they probably just added the pieces that are not them to try to see what the interest level would be. And I wouldn't be interested, but. Right now, Donovan Mitchell is this kind of this weird situation where a lot of executives around the NBA all say that he'll become available at some point. But the Jazz are just kind of dragging their feet. They're saying they want to build around him and blah, 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 blah. But at this point, it's kind of a weird situation uh, because you hear all this information about it, but it doesn't feel like anything is like making sense to why Donovan Mitchell is just sitting there uh, and not moving. Obviously, in all, uh, during the playoffs and right before offseason, Rudy Gobert said it's him or me. So one of us has to leave. They chose Rudy Gobert. They traded him. They got a bunch of stuff for him. And I think if Donovan Mitchell, Patrick Beverly, Clarkson, I'm trying to remember a white side. Those guys are, that's a strong, you know, starting lineup. If I'm the Jazz, I'm not dealing him away for even a great, you know, a great offer. I mean, there's not, there's few offers if I'm the Jazz that I say, okay, I'll accept that. I mean, if the if the Heat came to me and said, I'll give you Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and maybe some draft choice, I'd be like, sure. But obviously, they're never going to do that. But if they offer something like that, I, I mean, I'd be fully, you know, fully in on that. The problem is they're probably offering not that much because they want to keep the bones of those three guys, but at the same time, release enough that they can, you know, prime away. But I still believe that the 
I think Patrick Beverly changes things at least a little bit for this Jazz team. I think his energy level and his fight that he has is something that's really not matched by very many people in the NBA. He gets under people's skins. He's good at the end of games. We saw that with the Timberwolves. I think it's a big loss that the the Timberwolves even let him go for Rudy Gobert. I would have said no to that trade personally. But I just think that's it's one of those things. I think they're in a fine position. I don't think there's a point in getting rid of him unless, of course, you miss the playoffs again this season and you finally come to the conclusion this isn't working. But they've added pieces in from that trade with the with the Wolves, the T-Wolves, that now they've bought themselves some extra time to try to figure out what works. If it works with Patrick Beverly, you know, Whiteside, uh, with Clarkson, with Donovan Mitchell, if you have all those guys and they're playing well, and then you invest in the draft and that helps, I would not get rid of Donovan Mitchell. I think it would be a big mistake at this point. I think they're just building around him, and it's clear that they're building around him, so I don't think that happens in the near future at all. If he's available, I'd be shocked if he comes available before the season begins. If they don't try it out, see what happens, and try to see if this is you know the correct formula to start winning basketball games with a new coach and everything's kind of cleaning house and everything's starting to start starting to come back from scratch. Donovan Mitchell's that one point that you could say, okay, that seems like a good, good situation for him. So I'd be surprised if they let him go. The other thing I want to mention for Katie that I forgot to mention is it looks like the Warriors are still an option for him to, to return to. Um, so far, there's kind of not a whole lot of traction for it, but there's been some discussions that Wiggins might be become available for trade. Uh, so there's some there's some stuff that's brewing down there, and there's a possibility for a KD Warriors reunion. All right. Let's switch over to NFL conversation. There was a list that you showed me that got put out that put the top quarterbacks for this next top season. Top 10, yeah. Top 10 quarterbacks. Um, and notably, Aaron Rodgers was at the top of the list. Patrick Mahomes was, I think, second or second, third. And then and Josh Allen was third. What was weird is Tom Brady came in at fourth. What do you think of that list and how these quarterbacks are going to perform? I just... If you look at those teams, the teams that have improved are the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Buccaneers have not moved. Right? They've gotten maybe even better with Russell Gage coming in. Tom Brady and Josh Allen should be the top two people yeah, on that list. Hundred percent. Then should fall. I would put Aaron Rodgers. I would. In fourth. I would no. I put Russell Wilson higher than they put him. I mean, if you look at the list, and let me pull it up so I can just kind of read this off real quick because it's a fascinating list. It's up on MES Sports if you want to check it out. But they put Matthew Stafford at six, Justin Herbert at seven, Russell Wilson at eight, Joe Burrow at five. Okay. If I was going to rearrange this list, it'd be Tom Brady 1, Josh Allen 2, Joe Burrow 3, um, Justin Hubbard 4, Aaron Rodgers 5. That'd be my top 5. There's no way I'm putting Aaron Rodgers that high. Mahomes doesn't make your top 5? Uh, well, at this point, no. Because the, if you ha- Is that just because he lost Tyreek Hill as a target? Not only that, but they tried to put it back together in a weird way. Uh, I think... Now they're in a situation where I believe Tyree Kill being gone is a big, big loss. But I also think there's no one to bail him out anymore, right? With, with, with Tyree Kill, he could scramble for his life, launch it up there. Tyree Kill sitting all by himself with no one even close to him and right. runs it for a touchdown. Now you got Tyree Kill, or now you got Travis Kelsey, who's a good, reliable target still. If he lost him, I'd, you know, I put him at six. He's not completely off my top ten. Patrick would be six. But I just think these other quarterbacks are, are doing so well for themselves and haven't lost. But now they got 
Sky Moore, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, and you got um, Justin Ross as your pieces that you're trying to fill up to to take the place of Tyreek Hill. You never seen Justin Ross play. We don't really know who he is. We don't yeah. we, like Sky Moore. Possibly, I kind of like who he is. He's a more of a taller wide receiver, built for speed. I think he can do some good for him. They're. Just, I feel like they're changing. It's what I think is happening is a transition where they're going to be have to be forced to transition to a normal team. But what that's going to have to entail is Patrick Mahomes is going to have to transform from a scramble back there, do whatever you want, and then launch it up like Kyler Murray is into a more of a Russell Wilson situation where you're more stand back there, make the correct throw, and then resort to scrambling because you lost the guy that you can do that with permanently. He's gone. He's with the uh, with the Dolphins now. Now you have pieces like Juju. Now you have pieces like Sky Moore who are good wide receivers. you got to deliver a good pass to them. And yes, you get some pass rush. Yes, you have to be able to scramble back there, but you also got to set your feet and be able to launch it correctly. You can't throw it off your back foot and all that stuff because defense is just getting better. So now they could make this super easy, super clean, super, you know, not difficult at all if they're able to use these pieces in a correct way. The only piece I do not like that they added personally is Juju. I think the Steelers last year were awful. Every single one of the wide receivers was dropping the ball, excluding Juju Smith-Schuster. No one was really doing a very great job of, you know, making completions and all that. So... I would put that. That's the only reason I put him at six. I think he's a great quarterback, but I think these other quarterbacks yep. kind of cycle in there. Justin Herbert being disrespected and put it at seven is kind of ridiculous to me. And so is putting Russell Wilson at eight. I mean, we like we talked about this before. What is the definition of a all like Hall of Fame quarterback anymore? How is Russell Wilson, who's been to back-to-back Super Bowls? won just as many Super Bowl games as as Aaron Rodgers has, and yet Tom Russell Wilson is losing his touch somehow. And Aaron Rodgers is well, somehow still like... I think that's attributed to just the the past couple seasons where he hasn't had a good Seahawks team. So we yeah, don't really well, yeah, of course, but like, peop, but like, he was not like a bad point on the Seattle team. He's still a great quarterback. I just don't see... Like, I get Tom Brady. He, he's like, you can't argue with him being an all-star, but like... If you're going to put Aaron Rodgers in that same company, you might as well put Russell Wilson That's in the what I was same company. Ask. I think that kind of Aaron Rodgers to me is being overvalued in that list, especially with his like he's not a he's not a terrible quarterback, but he hasn't been able to get much done. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in a while. Is my point we made this point of quite a few episodes ago. It was a long time, but we made the point that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers won the same amount of Super Bowls, but yeah. to, but um Russell Wilson I think has won more playoff games. So it's like we're just we just like kind of get rid of different quarterbacks just based off of their, I don't even know, like they were on a bad team. So now we can't like, they can't respect him anymore. I think with Aaron Rodgers, he's going to take him. If he's MVP again, uh, and he gets eliminated in the second round of the playoffs yeah. to the freaking San Francisco 49ers in the cold, in the snow in Lambar in Lambeau field. And he beats Tom Brady who made it almost back to the Super Bowl, and lost by three points. To the Rams, who ended up winning the whole thing, and we're saying that Aaron Rodgers should won the MVP, and Tom Brady's forty four and did a better job last season. Something's wrong yeah, there. Yeah, I think he's being way overvalued. I think there's too much. Either he's being he's overvalued, still... or Tom Brady's being undervalued, which I think it's or maybe a little bit of both. I think this list is this is by the way by executive coaches and scouts and players that recently ranked their top hmm. uh, ten players. This is by people That's that were in the league, and they ranked it like this. But I just I, I would rearrange a little bit like I mentioned that that'd be my top five. Yep. Josh Allen should be higher than Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady should be higher. 
But to- Joe I Burrow think- is a little bit disrespected at five. Yeah, yeah. I think the Bills and the Bucks for the past couple of seasons have been the most promising teams to me. I still want to see the Bills under Josh Allen get to the Super Bowl. Well, I They've think that's coming. I think years. I think that's coming. That's the reason I ranked him higher. I think with Von Miller being added to this defense that's already pretty destructive, and now Tyree Kill's gone, and that was the team that has been kind of bullying this Bills team, even though they've been playing extremely well. I remember last season there was a 40-second drive that resulted in Tyree Kill uh, going up the sideline, Travis Kelsey straight down the middle, call time, I kick the field goal, win the whole game. That's happened multiple times. This poor Bills team, I think this season's kind of the season that we're going to see them finally break through. But it's going to be a hard road. I mean, now you got to deal with you got to deal with the Dolphins, who could be a problem. You got to deal with the Chargers. You got to deal with the with the um, with the Bengals. You got to deal with um, you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you got to now deal with Russell Wilson. So the road's not gotten easier for the Bills team, but Von Miller has made the road a little more palatable, if you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, for this team, so yeah, I just wanted to touch on that for a second, just because I just wanted to state the fact that I I think there's some changes that need to be made. Uh, I couldn't put that on the site and say my opinion on it, so I figured I should just take to the podcast and mention I would change the top five a little bit. But ultimately, that's what people think within the league, and they are in probably a little more in tap because they're in within the league. But personally, just based off what I see from the outside looking in, that would be my top five. Yep. All right, let's switch over. We were talking about Tyreek Hill's recent move to the Dolphins. And Tyreek was making some comments about Tua and his career um, and we were talking about this before. Uh, what do you think is going to be happening in Miami as a result of Tyreek going there and how that's going to affect Tua's passing style? Yeah. Um, I mentioned this in an upcoming YouTube video that we'll talk about in just a second. Um, but I was talking about the fact that I think Tua's in this situation, and everyone's kind of agreeing with it at this point, where it's kind of make or break it for him. And a lot of the factors are going to rely or fall squarely on the shoulders of the coaching because I think the biggest problem with Tua is his, you know, inability to hit the deep ball and the coach's desire for him to hit the deep ball. Uh, And in a lot of ways, I think he reminds me a lot of Jameis Winston 2.0 where he throws the deep ball, but he also throws a lot of interceptions plus touchdowns, which makes it so that he's just failing, but he's trying to launch the ball downfield. He's trying to make the big play. And I think he's trying to do it a little too much and eventually he's going to slip and fall if he's not careful. And I believe that's kind of similar to the same path that that was on when uh, when we had a similar situation happen with with uh, Jameis Winston before he was eventually just ended up being cut. And I think a similar situation could happen with Tua, especially with the with the pickup of Tyree Kill, where now with Tyree Kill being there, the expectation is he's going to launch it downfield and make plays for his team with the deep ball. But the problem is I don't know if he's able to do that and, and you know have success with it. So ultimately it's going to be one of those things where he's going to have to figure out who he is as a quarterback and is he available and is he able to throw the shorter passes. And I think Tyreek could either really make or break his career, not on purpose, but if they ask Tyreek Hill to do the deep ball and have Jalen Waddle do the short stuff, I think that would be good. But if they also have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle do the short stuff and turn into big pass plays, that could help him save his career. But it could just be one of those situations like with James Winston, he didn't have proper coaching and eventually he just had to go to a different team and 
now he's having relatively good success. But look at the numbers, look at what's happening, and you can clearly see that I think the deep ball is what's been kind of hurting his career. But with Tyreek Hill as a weapon and his ability to catch the ball and have success and has experience and likes his quarterback and talks up his quarterback all the time and just wants to help him succeed, it's a perfect position for him and a perfect situation. But everyone just needs to understand the stakes and what's, at, uh, what's happening here. But if everyone understands it and, and works through it and works together, they can help him succeed. But there's, it's so fragile uh, for him and he there's not he can't really make all that many mistakes unless it goes kind of catastrophic for him so ultimately at this point it's going to be when we get into the season we'll see what happens but I believe he needs to limit the deep balls and he will have success Tyree Kill can make those short the short pass plays and turn into bigger pass plays but for right now just start with short passes let him build up his confidence and hopefully he'll have a longer career in the NFL yep all right we'll be interested to see how that plays out in this coming season uh, you just mentioned the new YouTube series coming out, so why don't you give the listeners a little bit more info about that? Yeah, last week we mentioned the Sneaky Good series, the fantasy series. Uh, that is in pro- in production. Um, we had to move it out one more Monday, so next Monday it will officially be coming out. We have the first episode recorded, finishing touches on it, and then we will continue to record after that. Uh, but for those that missed it, the uh, what it's about is the reason it's called Sneaky Good is it because it takes the stats and it takes the numbers and turns it into fantasy predictions and who to draft. So the first episode is going to be talking about the new teams and the new coaches and who they were as offensive coordinators, how much they ran the ball, how much they passed the ball, and how many times they ran on first and second downs, how like and all that information and translates it and how well they shared the football. Then the next episode is going to break down the fantasy numbers, and that will come not this next coming Monday, but the week after that. We'll talk about the fantasy numbers, how these teams played, and who to pick up. And then um, the next one, the third video, we'll talk about the NFC teams, breaking it down in a very similar way we did it for the first two episodes in one video. And then the AFC, very similar thing as well. We're breaking it down into shorter uh, videos. So for the first um, one, there'll be a playlist. That will be called New Coaches or something to that effect. And that will break down the new coaches and they'll be in short videos. So you can just watch through those or just pick the ones that you feel interested in. Uh, each one will have a good description. So you'll see which team and which coach we're talking about. If you want to just be about your coach or whatever the case may be, very easy to digest content. It'll be posted on Amia Sports for the link. Plus, it'll also be posted to Twitter. So you will never miss out on when a new episode comes out. But they will be coming out every Monday after this Monday. So look forward to that. We'll get all the content ready for you. And we look forward to seeing the results. Yep, I'm excited for that. All right, that concludes this episode of the MES Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, It was good talking with you. Absolutely. See See ya. God bless.